podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time to talk K-State Oklahoma. Uh, One of our uh, first ever, actually I don't know if it was one of our first ever uh, Free Play Fridays, but I remember one of the early Free Play Friday episodes back when we introduced that concept, adding the Friday show, where Grant and I just kind of went back and forth and uh, talked about all the... Uh, links back to the Oklahoma football program and all the back and forth uh, between K-State and Oklahoma and how uh, (laughs) the phrase we ended up using a couple times as the title of the episode was All Roads Lead to Oklahoma. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be an interesting game on Saturday. I'm going to be there. Norman, Oklahoma is one of the few Big 12 cities I have not seen K-State play an away game in. Uh, the only two I have left on my current version of the Big 12 are Norman and Fort Worth, believe it or not. Um, you know, Yeah, I've been to Lubbock. I've been to West Virginia. So, been to Waco. Uh, so, I, I'm going. I, I obviously, I think I, I can't remember if I talked about this on the Tulane postgame or not. But I bought tickets and hotel before... Uh, <laughs> the weekend, obviously, I don't know if I'm going to end up, um, I mean, I don't know if I would have ended up doing it if I would have held off, but I did and I'm happy. Uh, you know, it, it is, and everyone kind of, I think, turns their, uh, nose up, I guess is probably the right word, uh, at the idea of calling something a rivalry, Especially when, you know, Oklahoma's won 77 times. We've only won 21. Um, Probably rivalry isn't the correct term. Um, But, you know, you've been playing this school. I mean, I'm going back to see. We've been playing this school since 1908. We played them every single year starting in 1919. And that continued on all the way up until the Big 12 was formed. From 1919 to 1997, we played this team every single year, you know. Uh, and again, we, we, we had our great run from 93 to 97. Then we have massive upset wins in 2003. 2012 spurs us on to winning a Big 12 championship. 2014... Jake Waters and the team shocks them 31-30 back-to-back in Chris Clemens' first two years. Last year in that, you know, game that, you know, 37-31, super close game. Um, you know, the, the, the two games in 2000. Hell, I mean, even the 2001 game, it was only a one-point game. I mean, there's a lot of shared history, a lot of fun history 
uh, between the two schools. I mean, the 1969-1970 games going back-to-back after, you know, close to three decades of losing to them. So it it isn't a great back-and-forth because, you know, of K-State football's history. Did not did not win a lot of games, basically from World War One on to Bill Snyder. I get that. So is it a rivalry? No, but but again, this is a team that we've been playing. I mean, how many times have we played them? Almost a hundred times. Actually, over a hundred times. We've played Oklahoma a hundred and two times. And this very well could be the final time we play the Oklahoma Sooners. And that's sad. I know all all the news this week has been about Oklahoma saying that they're not going to play Oklahoma State again. And that is a a wild rivalry. Again, it's it's wild scenes. It's an in-state rivalry. And again, the Oklahoma, I mean, it's a very similar type record. Oklahoma is a blue blood. There are very few schools that that ever give them a run for their money. I get it. I, I get it. This isn't going to be a show where I try to run down Oklahoma's success because basically my entire life they have been the program in the Big 12. Again, I guess not when I was young. So basically from the, the moment Bob Stoops showed up and it kept going with Lincoln Riley... And they want it to keep going with Brent Venables. And, and of course, they, they them in Oklahoma and Colorado during the Big 8 era. Yes, I know. So this isn't to run it down, but, but again, uh, it, it kind of comes back to what sucks about college football realignment. And, and again, I, I was cheerleading the idea of trying to steal some Pac-12 schools, kill off the Pac-12, all the types of... I get it. I get that there is a level of hypocrisy from me that wants to kill off the Pac-12, mainly, I mean, because I'm not going to get any real crazy enjoyment playing Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, maybe a little bit of enjoyment playing Colorado again. Like, it's not going to really do anything for me and my product. It's, it's just kind of a the survival of the fittest mentality, so I'm a hypocrite. I, I'd be fine killing off the Pac-12 um, and, and making it so some of those, basically so the Arizona schools... Don't, aren't playing the cut, but that's not that's not even ruining anything. <laughs> UCLA and USC leaving that that's what's screwing everything up there. Screwing with the California schools, screwing with the Oregon Washington schools that original you know pack eight. But it, it, conference realignment sucks, <laughs> you know. A hundred years of history, and it comes down to like probably one final game. Because once the new schools come in for next season, who knows if we're going to get to play Oklahoma or not. Like, we, we don't know. We're not going to know until October what the scheduling – like, we're still not going to know for another month what the scheduling is going to even look like. So, it being that final time, it, it, it's going to be weird. It is going to be weird uh, going to Norman. I, I think they're unveiling a statue or something. There's going to be some fanfare around the game on the Oklahoma side of things. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. But it's going to be weird walking out of that stadium knowing that I very well may never see the Powercat go up against that interlocking OU on the gridiron ever again. 
So it, it, it would be awesome to get a final victory versus them. You know, Chris Kleiman has done pretty well. We've won three out of the last five games in Norman. It's definitely not something that is impossible to do. This is the worst of those, you know, Oklahoma teams in the Chris Kleiman era. This this team is worse than any of the Oklahoma teams Chris Kleiman has faced. Now, it'll be totally different going in there uh, because the last time I think it was like 14,000 fans, 15,000 fans, maybe 20,000 fans, you know, COVID. Instead, it's going to be a massive crowd. It's going to be a sellout, I think over 80,000. So um, it's going to be totally different, but but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I'll uh, talk about some of the stuff that we heard from Chris Kleiman in his press conference momentarily. We'll do keys to V. And again, I kind of gave an intro of how I, I, I feel about this game, what I feel about this game um, in an ending. But, I'll, but I'll, I'll talk about some other stuff and kind of more in the moment versus the big picture uh, of this game on Saturday uh, here in a little bit as well. But before we do, it's freaking 100 degrees out in Shawnee, Kansas. The second this episode ends, I'm going downstairs to my refrigerator. It's right there in the back of the fridge to make it all nice and cold. I'm going to crack open a towny wheat. Because again, it's at the end of September. It's almost fall. And not just on the calendar fall. We all think fall starts in September. No, like actual, you know, weatherology, whatever you want to say, fall it's starting soon. It's still 100 degrees out. I, I want to be just sipping back, enjoying that delicious pumpkin pie beer from Manhattan Brewing Company. I want to just be enjoying one of those nice Belgian triples from Manhattan Brewing Company. And I will. Oh, believe me, I will when that cold front rolls in. But I'm going to crack open that towny wheat. Because nothing is more refreshing, nothing is more delicious, nothing gets you past this stupid hot day at the end of September like a towny wheat. And guess what? The next time I'm in Manhattan for that 11 a.m. game versus Texas Tech, you know what I'm going to do before I head back to Kansas City, head back to Shawnee, Johnson County where I live? I'm going to stop in there, I'm going to drink a couple pints, and I'm going to take at least two, probably three, four packs back to uh, Shawnee with me because there isn't a better a tastier more refreshing or fresh beer in the entire state of Kansas than that at Manhattan Brewing Company so tell your friends get in there grab a couple four packs to go drink a pint say hello to the boys I promise you'll thank me later also tell your local liquor store here in the state of Kansas that if they don't have Manhattan Brewing Company, to get it. I love their beer. Okay, let's get into it. Um, all right, so I know a lot of people have been waiting for a pound of flesh uh, or, or just some sort of answer from Chris Kahn when it comes to the play calling, especially on third and four, four or third and fourth down in that two-lane game. Uh, but... Chris Kleiman just said they had the plays. They just missed blocks, missed reads, and didn't execute. He said, we're not going to win any games if we execute like we did on third and fourth day. You know, he's right. 
<laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying he's wrong, but and hopefully this. I mean, we'll we'll let the boneheads have their final say during the live show, which is today at 7 p.m. If you're listening, Wednesday every 7 p.m. Wednesday, Spotify Live. Um, but, but I disagree with them. I mean, anytime it is third and a yard, fourth and less than a yard, if you're not quarterback sneaking it. It's a bad play call. I I mean, if you if you don't have a quarterback who can drive his legs enough, if you don't have an offensive line that can get, you know, two and a half feet worth of push and have your offensive or and have a couple running backs kind of run into the back of your quarterback to pick that up, I get it. It's not visually appealing football. It's probably not safe football. I'm sure the quarterback doesn't like running that play. But if we're in Norman, Oklahoma on Saturday and we're going for it on a fourth and a foot and we're in the shotgun, I'm walking out of the stadium. I'm walking out of the stadium because I, I, I can't handle it. I, I understand Chris Kleiman kind of standing by uh, Colin Klein. Uh, but I I get it, but it's not the answer I want to hear. Uh, he said to excel and to really win on Saturday, we need to excel in special teams. Said that the past week we didn't win at the line of scrimmage on punt to give Phillip Brooks a chance to get a good return, and they didn't have any blocks set up. Um, again, I, 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 he, Chris Kleiman actually is catching some flack on Twitter and on message boards for saying all three levels of the game defense offense defense and special teams have stuff to improve on and he's catching flack on i mean i agree but i'm not gonna hash out some of those message board conversations message board fights on the podcast uh folks can seek those out if they want but this is a calling card for chris Kleiman, seemingly after every game where you don't make a major play on special teams he makes a point to talk about how much they practice those special teams, how much work they put in, put in on special teams, how he's in every single special teams meeting. So if you're going to put all that effort in there, I, I kind of agree with him. You need a big special teams play, at least one every single week. We definitely will need that to beat Oklahoma, 100%. He, he also did the coach speak thing, talking about how uh, you know, it's not time to panic. He's excited to see how the t- team uh, responds to adversity. Every single coach says that. <laughs> I would prefer to go 15-0 and 0 and face zero adversity. But again, what, what else are you going to say when you're coming into a game like this? When asked questions about uh, Adrian Martinez and how conservative he's been playing, he said, without a question, Adrian has become too conservative. Uh, he said that him and Colin Klein had a long meeting and then sat down with Adrian and told him that he has to rip it. Uh, nobody wants to make a mistake, but at times you just have to let go and rip it. So uh, I would look to see Adrian Martinez really cut loose in this game versus Oklahoma. Uh, he obviously has heard everything when he was at Nebraska. And Chris Kleiman confirmed it. Hey, that's how he's been coached at K-State. But now they're trying to reverse the path. I'm hoping they can unlock a little bit of that gunslinger in him. Unlock that playmaker in him. But again, if he's been on campus since January and he's been hearing for eight months, hey, we, we need you to play conservative. We we can't have you turn the ball over, all that type of stuff. I don't know how easily that can come back in just one week. But I would imagine we're going to see it. Um, 
he said that he's not going to change uh, how they handle the quarterback position, but this is something telling. And I'm surprised it wasn't picked up more on Twitter, more on the folks watching the press conference. He says they're not going to. He is not going to change how they handle the quarterback position, but that would be a better question to ask Colin Klein. So, are they going to ask tomorrow? Uh, or Thursday, whenever they have uh, Collins' next press availability. I mean, that at least made it seem to me like he, he isn't going to stop them from making a change at quarterback if things aren't going well in Norman on Saturday. Um, I might be reading too much into that. Uh, but, I mean, maybe if he's struggling, maybe you guys, some of you will get your wish. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday. My hope is he balls out and we don't have to worry about it. But him him having that line in there, but that might be a better question to ask Colin, that peaked my ears. That made me scratch my beard. I'm a little curious. Uh, I'm a little curious if uh, Colin will have something to say about that if asked. Uh, talked about how they are treating the backup quarterbacks. Well, first off, Will Howard missed some practices last week. For a personal reason, everything is fine. He is back. He, I mean, he was at the game on Saturday. Um, so Chris Kleiman said he's going to get some more snaps than he has been getting uh, this week in the lead, lead up to the game. But it sounds like him and Jake Rubley are splitting close to evenly all the second team snaps. Now, is that an indictment of the leaps and bounds Jake Rubley's made? Is it more having to do with the plan being to redshirt Will Howard this season? I, I mean, I, I think it's probably more the latter. But again, I like hearing how many snaps Jake Rubley's getting. I, I, I want to, if shit were to hit the fan, if we were to throw the white towel in on this season, I don't want to see Will Howard. I think I know what we get from Will Howard. So if, if shit truly hit the fan... Like some of you think think it already did. I don't. I'm not there. But if it gets there after the Texas Tech game, if it's there after the Iowa State game, after the TCU game, whatever, back end of the season, I would much rather see six games of Jake Rubley than two games of Jake Rubley and four of Will Howard, so Will Howard can retain his red shirt. I don't. I, I don't need to see any Will Howard. Um, until next season if there's like a full quarterback battle. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to hear that question asked here in like four weeks or so. Once we get past that midweek point in the season, I would love for the media to ask again how they're doling out those second-team quarterback snaps. Asked about that 2020 win in Norman. Uh, Chris Common said you can't really take much away from that because, again, not not that many guys on this current team that were playing in that one. Totally different stadium atmosphere. Just said, hey, you can't really take much away from it. I mean, for the most part, I agree. For the most part, I agree. I mean, but you can say, hey, look, we've done it. We did it just two years ago. Just kind of make sure that they realize, hey, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a giant to slay. This is a team that we have beat three out of the last five times in Norman. I think those guys need to hear that because I would imagine, and this is not a shot at social media, I, I'm I'm not going to tell folks not to tweet when they're angry, uh, but they see it. 
You know, some of them see the message boards. Their confidence probably shook, shook a little bit. So maybe they need to put together some sort of highlight film showing three out of the last five games that silver-white-silver combo going into Norman and getting the win. So we'll see what happens. Asked about the offensive line rotation, he says he wants to see more offensive line rotation. Uh, they got line gang in there, but he wants to see Carver Willis, uh, Dawson Delforge in the game as well. He says they deserve to be in the game. Riley thinks that the entire offensive line needs to be better. He anticipates the offensive line being better and seeing more rotation. He says he wants that rotation to see those guys fresh towards the end of the game. I mean, again, I and, and let me go to this because he was asked about rotation at the wide receiver, and it's the exact opposite. It's 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 pretty funny and, and very interesting to see how much faith and freedom Chris Kleiman is giving Colin Klein. Because Colin Klein said that he doesn't want to rotate the wide receivers. He wants them to earn playing time. He wants the three best guys to get the vast majority of the snaps. We have seen next to no rotation at wide receiver. And Chris Kleiman says he has signed off on that. But he is telling Connor Riley, hey, no, we need to rotate more on the offensive line. I think that is an interesting dynamic of things going on and how Chris Kleiman is seemingly hands-off with some of the decisions that Colin Klein's making, but he's getting far more involved with how Connor Riley is doing his offensive line rotation. So that'll be something to keep an eye on, I think. I, I think that is a very interesting way of going about things. Asked about Nate Matlack. He has not practiced yet this week on a day of recording. So this is Tuesday. He will be running off to the side at practice, but he will not be part of the full practice. They are hoping he can play on Saturday. Gun to my head. I don't think we see him play. I, I, I would bet we see uh, Jalen Pickle get the start there and see a lot of uh, Brendan Mott and Cody Stuffelbean in uh, reserves along with Felix and Jalen Pickle. That's my prediction. We'll see. I hope that's not true. I hope Nate can at least get out there in, in that jet package, that NASCAR package in obvious passing situations. Uh, asked about guys outside of the captains that are speaking up in practice this week. He rattled off like five or six names. Uh, said that the core group of guys in the leadership council outside of the captains aren't afraid to step up and say something. I like that. But again, I, I <laughs> after everything that was said last week before the game... Uh, this whole idea of the leadership, the culture, all this type of stuff. I, I need to see them bounce back versus Oklahoma. And I definitely need to see them turn around and take care of business the following week versus Texas Tech. So we're, we're going to see what happens. He, he, he also straight up said he knows that the team and the program is in a tough situation coming off of a loss, having to play on the road versus a program like Oklahoma. But he likes the makeup of this team when it comes to the maturity. I, I want to believe him. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, asked to grade the blocking in the entire two-lane game. He says, just okay, but we need it to be better. We only got three explosive plays. Chris Common says we need to be in the double digits every game. Uh, he, he made a point to bring up Sean Robinson again 
to say that there is nothing but respect and uh, support for Sean Robinson. He reiterated that he was not kicked off the team. He was not dismissed. He made a personal decision for what he felt was right for him and his circle of people. Again, we talked about this on the Monday show. And anyone... Anyone who's trying to question it, try to make it out to be something disciplinary, no. You're a hack. You're a hack and you're talking about stuff that you have no idea about. People need to respect Sean Robinson's decision and his privacy, uh, just like Chris Kleiman is, just like some folks in the media are. Uh, He he made a difficult decision to step away from football. And uh, that had to be one of the toughest decisions of his life. It sucks for us because he's an athletic player and I think he was going to be a great player. It sucks, uh, but hey, I, I have nothing but respect for the young man. I hope everything works out. Um, but that was brought up because he was asked. Chris Klein was asked about Desmond Purnell. And he had so many great things to say about him, saying that since Sean Robinson has been away from the team for a few weeks, he's been able to get all the first team reps. Talked about how great he is on special teams and his mentality, being a Kansas kid, being a Topeka cat. This guy wants to win and wants Kansas State to be great. And he's going to do it on defense. He's going to do it on special teams. And again, that's what I like to see. I've been impressed with Desmond Purnell out there. Now, he brought this up. Chris Kleiman brought this up as well. Talking about how uh, in the obvious passing situations, when we've seen Khalid Duke come in, come off the field, this is usually where Sean Robinson would have been playing. Uh, and this is where I think they thought about maybe a little bit of Desmond Purnell. But they've been bringing in VJ Payne and sliding down Josh Hayes. Now, I pointed this out after the Missouri game. I, that, that is something that I noticed, I called out, something I talked about in the Tulane preview. And I'm happy to see it. This is a guy who played corner the majority of his career. So if you're going to have someone slide down into that position, these obvious passing situations where you do operate more like a traditional nickel corner, a slot corner, and you're playing man versus their slot receiver, uh, maybe a little bit of action on tight end, something like that, that is exactly what we need to have happen. And that's going to be something that's going to be important versus Oklahoma. I think we are going to see multiple runs of time on the field that they are going to try to spread it out, and we are going to see Josh Hayes play more in that nickel position, more in that Sam position that we've seen the last two weeks, and we're going to see a lot of VJ Payne back there. Now, I think that sets up a situation where you're having a young guy who has not played a lot of football having to get a lot of snaps back there in VJ Payne. Now, I'm super glad He was the starter and went through all of that back in the home opener. I'm glad it's not like an Echo Boido situation, which granted he played great in the game I'm about to reference, where he is getting a baptism by fire, getting some of his first real uh, college football playing time on the road at Oklahoma, because that's not the case. He started that first week, played quite a bit versus Tulane. But I think we're going to see a lot of it. I, I, I think I think we will still see Khalid Duke take more snaps at that Sam linebacker position than anyone else. But I do think it's going to be like maybe 60, 63, 64% of the snaps. And you're going to see close to 30% of the snaps are going to be Josh Hayes coming in there. 
in some of those super speed, super coverage type formations that we have. Now, the good part about that is he also likes to hit. So if we're in one of those situations and Dylan Gabriel tries to use his legs or they do run sort some sort of jet sweep, I, I think he is more than capable of thumping someone and doing the job and getting physical in there. And that's all I have from Chris Kleiman's press conference. Now, in the macro sense, in you know conference realignment, history, Oklahoma, K-State, I, I talked about it you know right at the open of the show. For this season, I mean, this, this game has taken on a brand new life than what I thought it was going to, what, 72, like 96 hours ago, whatever the math works out. Because uh, no, one, no one thought we were going to lose to Tulane. Tulane football's Twitter account even took a screen grab of the ESPN preview of the game, calling it the final tune-up for K-State. You know, you you lose that game to Tulane, zero votes in any coaches or AP uh, ballots, which is fair. I'm 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 not sitting here saying we should have anyone giving us any votes. Definitely, definitely not advocating for that. But but that's all gone. Anyone who's on Twitter on message boards saw what that loss did to the fan base. You have the. Fire Chris Kleiman, Twitter, you know, bullshit. You have the, is he on the hot seat message board posts? I mean, you had me being very critical of Colin Klein. You know, I'm definitely not, I'm still frustrated. I'm still pissed off about that two-lane game. I'm still very, very mad about that performance. I don't think anyone's over it. <laughs> and I'm not and no one should. Again, third time in the Chris Kleiman era where you lose at home as a 14 point favorite. That's fine. Be mad, I am. But here here's the thing. The ultimate goal for this season had nothing to do with the Tulane game. Nothing to do. There was no world in which we were ever going to be realistic playoff contenders for the year so in all truth and in all honesty nothing results from those first three games has a massive impact or really any impact on what the goal was for this season now losing to Tulane losing to a team that I think ultimately is going to finish up you know anywhere between third and fifth in the American um, not not a juggernaut. I, I doubt we see them winning the American, but hey, they could. They could. Um, but that that game, the the reason why everyone's mad about it is that that took away a lot of confidence that we had. If you go back to the Bonehead Prediction Show, almost everyone had us, you know, nine and three, ten and two, nine and three, ten and two. Eight wins is going to be a disappointment this season, 100%. So, so I guess in that sense, uh, losing to, to Tulane puts you a little bit behind the eight ball. But the goal and the dream and the drive for this season was to get to Arlington, Texas that first Saturday in December. And this is the game that kicks all of that off. Kicks all of that off. 
everything, all the angst, all the anger, all the disappointment, all the sadness, every negative emotion that came from that game last Saturday vanishes, goes out the window. If you can get what would be the fourth win out of the last six in Norman, Texas or Norman, Oklahoma versus what is a top five team in the nation. All of a sudden, you win that game. You should be ranked. Will we? I don't know. We'll all have fun getting mad at Twitter at AP voters who don't don't vote us, but Oklahoma's still in the top fifteen. We'll all have fun doing that if it happens. Sign me up. Sign me up. You know, I I will take that. I will take that. But it's all gone. You find a way to win that one. All the anger, all all the angst should be erased. Now, to get it done, and some of it will be talked about in the Keys to V, but but to get it done, you have to get something from the offense. You have to. And even if it is in a losing effort, if you don't see some real improvement from the offense, if you don't see something from the downfield passing game, We're going to see another week in the group chats, on Twitter, probably even on this podcast, on message boards of people being angry, being livid, out for blood. If you think, if you, if you folks thought that the reaction to the last two Chris Kleiman press conferences were bad, I mean. Just wait for what might, what would happen, what could possibly happen if we have a stinker of an offensive performance on Saturday night. Because people are locked and loaded. And this is exactly what I was scared of when we hired Colin Klein. Because every fan base's least favorite coach, maybe not every, but like 92% of every fan base's College, pro, high school, 92% of football fans' least favorite coach is the guy calling the plays or the offensive coordinator. And we and we have a legend, some, someone whose name is on the stadium, doing that. And this was my biggest fear when he was hired. Because... It is now locked, it is now loaded, and some test shots have been fired. So to avoid that and to have any shot at getting the win on Saturday, we need to see some creativity out of the offense. We need to see the return of the big play. We need to see the introduction for the first time this season of a successful downfield passing. I mean, we're going, we're going to need to see Adrian Martinez take some risks. And quite frankly, I don't know if he can just turn the flip switch right back on. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Defense, we have an elite defense. We have the number one defense in the Big 12. And we haven't played a true... Just disgusting type offense. Now everyone will say, oh, you, you, you played an FCS team. Well, that was an FCS playoff team. 
not only an FCS playoff team, but one that brought back a lot of their guys on offense. You completely shut down an SEC offense. Everyone's like, oh, well, Mizzou sucks. Yeah, Mizzou sucks. But they have a five-star, all-world wide receiver. You had multiple running backs that were great. They had a SEC preseason all-conference left tackle. And you shut them down. And Tulane, I think when it's all said and done, again, I, I might have to eat some crow when Tulane goes 9-3 and three this season. They have an offense that can do some stuff as well. So K-State's defense, the best defense currently statistically in the Big 12, it's not like they have played a bunch of nobodies. They're going to have to come locked and loaded, ready to hit some people, ready to take the ball away. Because here's the thing. If we, if we see what we need to out of Adrian Martinez, there's a chance he might turn the ball over, something that he has not done yet. So what's the defense going to have to do? They're going to have to pick them up, and they're going to have to get the ball back. What's the defense going to have to do? Give them a little breathing room so if if a turnover happens, it's not doom and gloom, here we go again. Because it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't. This is K-State, not Nebraska. One bad play shouldn't screw your team over like it did when he was up north in Lincoln. Which seemingly, he was the only guy who kept them... Kept them alive for as long as they did. Now Adrian Martinez, Scott Frost might have gotten fired a little bit quicker. And here's the thing. You turn around, you pull off this upset, your own double-digit upset. If you pull off what would be the fourth win in the last six trips to Norman, Oklahoma, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what sort of hype is happening in that town east of Manhattan. It's not, nothing matters. What's happening in Stillwater, Oklahoma, it won't matter. What's happening in Waco, Ames, it won't matter. You beat Oklahoma on the road. All of a sudden, the road to Arlington, figuratively, runs through Manhattan, Kansas. All it takes is one special game, and everything that we wanted to accomplish is right there in front of you. And you're in the driver's seat. Easier said than done. Obviously. The reason why it's such a crazy stat, a crazy thing that I keep throwing out there, three out of the last five in Norman. I mean, who's the last team who could say that? I mean, it's... The Oklahoma Sooners do not lose in Norman, Oklahoma often at all. And it's going to be a task. This is going to be an atmosphere. Adrian Martinez played in it last year, and he played in some big-time Big Ten atmospheres. But, I mean, Deuce Vaughn? What's the most hostile atmosphere he's played in? Was anything especially hostile last year? I mean, Texas Tech, I guess? They're already trying to fire Matt Wells. It wasn't Texas. I mean, I don't know what what the most hostile environment he's played in. You know, I don't know what the most hostile environment Cooper Beebe has played big-time minutes in. I think this will be it. 
This will be the most hostile. How are they going to handle it? What's going to happen if you get punched in the mouth? Are they going to have a counter punch? Are they going to be able to get off the mat? We're going to see. We need to see Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner get open. And when the ball comes to you, you need to come down with it in both hand, with both hands in bounds and make a play to happen. Deuce Vaughn needs to make the cuts and become that home run hitter we, we, we know he can be. And when it comes down to it, if you need a kick, you, be, you better put it through the uprights. This is a massive one, folks. You want to talk about a legacy game as well? This is 7 p.m. on Big Boy Fox. Everyone is going to be watching. Deuce, if you want to get back in the Heisman conversation, you better go off. Felix, you want people to keep talking about you being a first-round draft pick? You better go off. Cooper Beebe, going to go pro early? Get drafted in your hometown, Kansas City, same as Felix, first round? First guard taken off the board? You better dominate this game. This is a legacy game, not only for the team, but for the individuals as well. So it's a big one. And for big-time games, you need your big-time players to show up and make big-time plays. And that could be one of the keys to V, but we're just going to move into it. The first one is uh, from the Boneheads. Mark, one of the greatest Boneheads, uh, someone who I love having conversations with via DMs on Twitter. Anyone wants to talk, sign my DMs. I might be slow to reply during the secret day job, uh, but I'm always willing to chop it up with any boneheads on Twitter. He says, weather the storm. Don't lose the game in the first quarter. I mean, I include this because this is something I like. I I like when you're going into these big-time atmospheres not losing the game early. But, I mean, the last time we were there... We had to make an epic comeback, so I don't I don't think that ends the game for you. But but it sure would be nice to be the one who punches them in the mouth and then trying to stage off the counter punches, or at least if you wear one on the chin, you get back up and punch back. So I like that one. Uh, the second one uh, from the Boneheads from Ace Edwards of the Aggieville Alley Cats, my favorite K State podcast. Uh, get Adrian to say "fuck it, we ball." Now, sorry for being vulgar. I know my mom does not like it when I cuss on these shows. I think there's some family friends who listen as well who are probably like, man, that Scott sure has a mouth on him. Well, it's in the quote. It's from Ace. Uh, But you do need that. You need a little bit of fuck it, let's ball coming out of the offense, coming out of Adrian Martinez. Because you're not going to get these big special highlight plays that made him, you know, a record holder in just about every offensive category at Nebraska by playing the way we've seen the last three games. Now, I, I think he was coached up that way. I, I, I think he's capable of letting it rip. I think he's capable of balling out. Uh, but we need to see it. If we don't see it versus uh, Oklahoma, again, that Texas Tech game basically is the exact same thing as the Texas Tech game last year where Basically, the balance of the entire season will hang on that game. My first one is get the offensive line rolling and successful moving up that second level in the run game. Again, we we saw it so perfectly. It it truly was a ballet versus South Dakota. And we saw it at times versus Missouri as well. Not quite as well, uh, but we saw it at times versus Missouri as well. We didn't see it maybe more than once versus Tulane. 
uh, Tulane. We, we were not picking up run blitzes. We were not picking up stunts. I, I, I don't know if it was lack of communication. I don't know if it was burying their head in the first defender that they were trying to block. I'm not sure what it is. But again, I, I've pointed it out. I've harped on it. The, the reason why I, w- I, I became okay with Cooper Beebe sliding down to left guard is because more times than not, it's those interior guys who are pulling, who are getting up to that second level. If Cooper Beebe can get up to the second level with his eyes up, that running play is going to go for at least eight yards because he is going to maul and he is going to get that second defender and allow if Deuce can get to that level to get at least eight yards. We need to see that in the running game that is going to allow Deuce multiple bites at the apple to make that signature cut that takes an eight-yard gain to a 50-yard touchdown. We only saw it once or twice uh, versus Tulane, and, and we're spoiled. Every time Deuce Vaughn plays a game, K-State fans need to cherish it, but but we've been spoiled. We, we 100% have, but we, we, I, I want to see more of those. And that really becomes dependent on getting that guard or Gilliam at center, Gilliam up at center, up on that second level, pulling, double team, climbing the ladder. That is what we need to see from the offensive line. And the final one for me, and this is on the defensive side, don't let Dylan Gabriel ever feel comfortable. I don't want to do anything dirty. I don't want to take a ton of penalties or anything like that. But if you get the chance to hit him, do not hesitate and be violent. The pass rush, any blitzers, anyone who gets on a shot gets a shot on him needs to make sure he feels it. This is a talented quarterback. He's capable of running. I mean, I think he had like a 65-yard run and touchdown versus Nebraska just last week. But you need to make him see ghosts. You need to be on top of him. You need to make sure he's hearing you breathe. And that's going to hopefully force him to make a mistake and let our secondary, which have been full-on ball hawks, let our linebackers that have been ball hawks pick the guy off. That's what we need to see. Now, before we end the show with our game predictions, I want to give a shout out to the 1012 Network. 1012 Network, the greatest network of all time when it comes to Big 12 Sports Podcast, has joined up with all of us here in the Sports Drink Network. So that means I get to have fun and be part of both squads. Be sure you're checking out all the team specific shows and the 1012 Podcast, the flagship show of the 1012 Network. They're the best. I love sports drink and I love 1012. Uh, you guys probably won't like to hear it, but uh, we have our Big 12 game of the week during the Thursday whip around show, and we'll have Andy Mitts of the of uh, the Rock Jock podcast. And sure enough, the game everyone thought was going to be the Big 12 game of the week this week, uh, Duke at Kansas. So we'll hear our good friend Andy Mitts break down that game on the Thursday whip around show. Let's get into it. Last week, I was 13 and 12. The Boneheads were 10 and 5. That brings me to 37 and 8 on the season. The Boneheads to 33 and 12. Let's get into it. It is a Thursday night game in Blacksburg, Virginia. West Virginia comes to town. The Boneheads have Virginia Tech 59%. I also have Virginia Tech. And you're going to hear a theme with this West Virginia's favorited. So. Both of us are taking the underdogs. The next game, Baylor at Iowa State. Boneheads have Baylor 
86% on the road in Jack Trice Stadium. Again, they are the underdogs. I'm also taking Baylor. Matt Campbell doesn't lose outside of that first year. He has not lost a lot of games in Jack Trice Stadium as the head coach. Iowa State, 3-0. and um, I mean, I hate to see it. Um, so Baylor's going to have to go in there and do something that they haven't done. Again, they lost to BYU, who didn't look very good at Oregon, who didn't look like they even belonged on the same field as Georgia. Um, I still think the wrong team's favored, uh, but history would say I'm I'm wrong and Iowa State will win, but I'm rocking with the Baylor Bears. TCU at SMU, battle for the iron skillet. Uh, SMU trying to sell out their stadium, something they don't do hardly at all. The, the Boneheads have TCU 69%. Uh, I'm going with SMU. I think they are the underdog, so I think I'm on the underdog once again, but I'm going with the Ponies. Big 12 game of the week, Duke at KU. KU nine-point favorite, and the Boneheads taking KU 61%. I'm also taking KU. Uh, we'll see what happens after this game. Uh, I, I think they win this one. I mean, who knows what they're going to do rest of the season. I'm still not completely bought in, but I, I know KU fans are having fun. They're trying to sell out uh, David Booth Memorial Stadium for the first non-K-State KU game since, I think, 2009. I think 2009 is the last time they had to sell out that was not a K-State KU game, and they're trying to do that. As Duke visits at 11 a.m. The next game, I think it is uh, the battle for the Silver Spur, maybe. Maybe, something like that. Texas at Texas Tech. Boneheads have Texas, 67%. I also have Texas. But I think that is going to be a pretty crazy atmosphere. Texas Tech fans have a lot of excitement in their athletic department. They hate Texas. I think that will be a pretty hostile environment for the Longhorns. Uh, the next one, this is where College Game Day is going, I believe. Yes. Yes, I think so. Florida at Tennessee. This is a top 25 matchup. Boneheads have Tennessee 66%. I, too, am going with the Volunteers. Arkansas versus Texas A&M in Jerry World in Arlington. Boneheads big on Arkansas, 75%. They are the higher-ranked team. Texas A&M, a two-point favorite. I'm going with Texas A&M. Gigum Aggies. I don't like saying that, but I also hate seeing Arkansas being good. Uh, who knows? I mean, I don't like my pick. I'm not, I'm not going to change it. I'm going to give the Boneheads a chance to to pick up some games on me. I'm not going to change it, but I do not like that pick. Oregon at Washington State. The undefeated Washington State Cougars. Boneheads have Oregon 82%. So do I. Indiana is going to Cincinnati, Nippert Stadium. Boneheads have Cincinnati 88%. Indiana, I believe, is undefeated, maybe, question mark. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I'm going with Cincinnati as well. Notre Dame at North Carolina. Boneheads have North Carolina 71%. I have Notre Dame getting 2-2-2 after uh, Marcus Freeman with an 0-3 start. I think they go into Chapel Hill and get the win. Wyoming at BYU, Boneheads and me have BYU big. Georgia Tech at UCF, Boneheads and I both have UCF big. Rice at Houston, battle for Houston. I think Rice is in Houston. Uh, Boneheads have Houston big, so do I. And finally, the game we have been waiting for, the game we will all be nervous for, the game I will be at for the first time ever in Norman, Oklahoma. I'll be wearing purple. If you see me, come say hi. Sign my DMs if you want to... uh, Hang out in Oklahoma. The Boneheads are rocking with K-State 
percent. So let's see. You know, I'm four games in front of the Boneheads. We, we, we've disagreed a handful of times here in week four. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Boneheads another shot to get one in on me. And it's also superstitious. I don't think the entire time we've been doing this podcast, which features two shocking wins over Oklahoma, I don't think I've picked K-State once. So I'm hoping there's some sort of good vibe, some sort of juju. I'm going to go Oklahoma 31, K-State 27. Hope to be wrong. Hope, hoping this is the first of uh, Scott reverse jinx, Scott Wildcat reverse jinx, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think we're going to put up points. I think Oklahoma's offense is very good. So I don't think we are going to see. I think we're going to see for the first time a team getting into the 20s and probably the 30s on us. But I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. I do think the team is going to bounce back. I think we're going to fight. I think it is going to be a close game. I think this is going to go down to the wire. 31-27 Oklahoma, though, is my official score prediction so that's all we have boneheads it's gonna be a stressful next few days i'll be heading down south to norman oklahoma for my first and maybe only time going to see a game in gaylord memorial stadium It's going to be fun. This is what college football is all about. Getting to visit different towns, different stadiums, taking different atmospheres. I'm pumped for it. You guys will get to hear me talk about it uh, on Monday, of course, because I will we'll always have a Monday show. But that's all we have. Boys and girls, it, it is a big one. It is a big one. This is the last you'll hear uh, of me. It'll be predominantly guests for the whip around. Then we'll have the bonehead show that you'll hear on Friday, if you want to participate in the Bonehead Show, uh, 7 p.m. Spotify Live. Links will be tweeted out. Check out our good friends at the 1012 Network. All the team-specific shows and the flagship show, the 1012 Pod. Check out all the good stuff going on at the Sports Drink Network. All sorts of great shows. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Eventually, the weather is going to get... So you can drink the pumpkin beers every single night. I can't, even me a pumpkin boy, I can't do it at 100 degrees. But right after we sign off, I'm going to have me a townie wheat. The most refreshing, most delicious beer in the entire state and region. So for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup. For all great Wildcats, past, present, and future, we love you guys. And go cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Glory in the combat.
for a Wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be. Fighting, ever fighting for a Wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.